our colleague from CKNW, our Vancouver affiliate, John Jang, putting together the language that Gen Zers have created. I'm so pressed right now, bro. Don't be pressed. The doctor will be in shortly, bro. <laughs> Yo, if this doctor keeps leaving us on red, he's going to catch hands on gang. No, 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 no. It's going to be okay. Bestie cannot die like this. Big facts. She's going to make it, bro. If you didn't understand anything that was said in the past 30 seconds, it means you're not Gen Z. But don't worry, you're not alone. A new survey by the mobile shop showed that 42% of adults over 35 say they just don't understand what young people are saying when using slang. But we can apply this to the generation gap that we've seen forever in our lifetime. Now, by the way, 1996, the last birth year for millennials, anyone born between 81, 1981, 1996 is considered a millennial. Anyone born from 1997 onward is part of that new generation. But there are differences, generation to generation. Carolyn Stern is author of The Emotionally Strong Leader. She's with us here on 680 CJOB. Carolyn, great to talk to you. Thank you so very much for joining us. Thanks, Richard, for having me. I'm happy to be here. Well, and you talk about and write about emotionally strong leadership, and you have noticed some differences in the approach Gen Z, millennials are lacking in when it comes to problem solving. Talk about that. We, I have lots of questions for you, but let's, let's try to set the parameters here on who we're talking about generally and what you found. Yeah, so as a university professor who's been teaching for 25 years, mm-hmm. uh, the Gen Zs are lower at problem solving, which is finding solutions to problems when emotions are involved. They're lower at stress tolerance, which is really about coping well with stress without a decrease in performance. And they're lower at independence, which is about being self-directed and not caring about what people think. Why? Because they grew up with helicopter parents and their phones and Google giving them all the answers. And so they really struggle making quick, objective decisions. They struggle expressing their thoughts and beliefs because they seek validation from others and they worry about making mistakes. So there's a lot of self-doubt. So when they go back to school or into the workforce, and if it's uh, people of our generation that are in supervisory roles, we have to do our homework, don't we? Well, that's my challenge and one of the reasons I wrote the book. I mean, I had seen um, our failure to provide an emotional education plague the modern workforce. We're not, you know, as a university professor, your, your professors give you stress. They don't teach you how to handle stress. Right. You know, they put you in teams. They don't teach you how to work within those teams with different personality types. And so what I do, um, I teach an emotional intelligence class at the university, and I wrote the book for leaders because it becomes your job as a leader to teach these young people, which Gen Zs and millennials are going to make up 65% of the workforce in, you know, 2025. It's your job to teach them this because they're not learning them in schools. So you need to teach them how to assert themselves, you know, rather than, you know, in group projects, you know, in in the workplace. There are some that are probably driven to succeed more and will take a more passive approach and end up doing most of the work. You have to teach them to assert themselves and speak up and set better boundaries. So what's lesson one? Lesson one is you first need to figure out what your emotional makeup is. 
So in the book, we ta- I, I take the readers through a whole bunch of questions to kind of figure out what am I strong in, what am I not so strong in, and then what am I maybe too strong in? So for instance, if I have too much empathy, I might get enmeshed in people's stuff and wear the emotional burdens on my shoulders rather than separating myself and having better boundaries. I might keep people small because I coddle them too much. So you've got to kind of got to figure out what your sweet spot is. What are you too high in? What are you right, just right at? What are you too low in? And then from there, you've got to consult with others, right? Because your self-perception might be flawed, right? Richard, you might mm-hmm. think what you think is your genius, others think is a liability, or what you think is a liability, others might think is your strength. So it's really kind of figuring out where do you think I, uh, you are on an emotional intelligence level? What does others think of you? And these are questions you don't normally ask people. But I, ask, I encourage people to consult with others. And then finally, clarify your focus. Figure out what needs you need to work on. Um, from that, from what other people said and what you think, and then start working on it. In the book, we provide lots of examples of how to strategically come up with how to enhance your emotional intelligence. This is also generations that are, you know, sharing and maybe oversharing as well their lives. And, you know, the 24-hour clock, if you will. And, yes, I realize that people are starting to be able to, to shut it down and shut it off. But... Um, I, I have found that that sometimes uh, this is a generation, and you know, I, I have kids this age that mm-hmm. that that you know are exposing themselves, living and 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 growing up with phones. That man, I wouldn't have said that. I wouldn't have shared that. Now everything about their lives is out there. Yes, and so I mean, the key about having healthy emotional intelligence is knowing when to have well-balanced emotional intelligence, when to share and when not to share, when is oversharing. So this is all about emotional expression. So when you're low in emotional expression, you either don't express how you feel or you don't do so in a constructive way, right? You may be seen as either withdrawn, like a closed book, maybe a bit of a mystery, but you also can have a short fuse and let your emotions, emotional responses you know, take over, like yelling or swearing, when you have too much emotional expression, when you're expressing oversharing, you're, you can make people feel pressure to reciprocate and uncomfortable and awkward. And so sometimes you share too much information about yourself to gain connection with people, but without building trust, it can actually work against you. And so it's really about finding that sweet spot. When you have a healthy level of emotional expression, you can constructively express how you feel about your emotions. You're seen as an open book, but you narrate to others what you're noticing internally. Do you remember in school when, they told, when your math teacher said, show your work? Do you remember that? I do. Well, show your work, really, in, in the office. Emotional intelligence is saying, here's why I'm making the decision. So you're not only telling your people the decision they're making, but you're also telling them why you're making that decision. Here are my concerns. Here are my stressors. Here are my fears. Here are my beliefs about the decision. So you need to learn to start showing people your work so that they can tell, you can tell them internally what you're noticing externally. Check out our website. Carolyn Stern, Carolyn Stern, S-T-E-R-N dot com. She is president and CEO of EI Experience and Executive Leadership Development and Emotional Intelligence Training Firm. Great to talk to you, Carolyn. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Richard, for having me.